Good morning, everybody. Thank you, uh, Dr. Tokozo, for that um, offering message. Uh, it was very profound. Okay. Wow. We are here. Resurrection Sunday. Amen. And I see some failed to resurrect out of bed this morning, but it's okay. Amen. <laughs> well, that was a, I suppose they rise out of bed, right? There's only one resurrection. And okay, 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 I get it. I get it. So this morning as we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, it's an awesome time for us to reflect again on what Jesus did on the cross for us. Uh, this morning, I simply want to remind us that we are forgiven. Amen. We are forgiven. You know, God set this as a theme for this month. And I wish that we could say that we planned in advance, you know, like, and we thought it through and we didn't. But God thought it through. And we want to remind you this morning of the power of forgiveness, the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 3. This is a cross for a crown, part two. And the title this morning is You Are Forgiven. You Are Forgiven. <laughs> Dumisa is still waiting for his Easter egg. Sorry, Dumisa. That's it. They're finished. They're done. But thank you for coming back to church, just in case. <laughs> Oh, Father God, we welcome your presence in this place, and we thank you that this morning we can celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that you purchased freedom for us, and that we can be free by faith in what Jesus Christ has done on the cross for us. And we celebrate that we're not worshiping some dead God, but a living Savior, a resurrected Savior. Our hope, Lord, is not in, in something that is futile, but our hope is in a living God. And we thank you, Lord, that you're alive. And the people of God said, amen. amen, amen, and amen. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. I want to remind us of where we are all located. The Bible says, for all have sinned. The Bible doesn't say some have sinned. It doesn't say a few have sinned. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, sin is anything we've done in thought, in word, in deed that violates the principles and laws of God's word. That's a sin. It doesn't matter whether it's a small one it doesn't matter if it's a big one. The Bible says that our sins separate us from God. So sin is serious because it separates us from God. It makes us fall short from the glory of God. What is the glory of God? Well, the glory of God, doxa, you could say is the presence of God. That's accurate. That's correct. But the glory of God, if you can imagine running the 100 meters at the Olympics, Okay, uh, if you're looking at me, you might want to close your eyes <laughs> so you can imagine well. Amen. <laughs> and, 
And to your left is the same bolt. To your right is that new guy from Italy, whoever his name is. Take your marks, set, go. And you're off. And you run, and you run, and you run, and you run, and you run. And lo and behold, you beat Usain Bolt and that no-name brand guy. And you win Olympic gold. You now have glory. You have fulfilled your potential and your destiny. When it talks about us falling from the glory of God, yes, part of it is the presence of God, but the other part of the glory of God is what we were created and destined to be like. So sin separates us from God. Sin mars us from the image of God. Verse 24. And you are justified by His grace as a gift. So God doesn't leave us in our sin, but He says, you know what? I want you to be made right with me. And I'm going to do this not because you can make yourself right. No, it has to be a gift that I give. And the next part says, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. You know, it's amazing. The Bible makes it clear that there's only one way to get right with God. In our modern age, we'd love options, right? What's the other way? Is there another option? Like, you know, can I take it on installments? Can I take it on, you know, higher pay, lease, long lease arrangement? How can I get this salvation? No, there's only one way to be saved. And that's through the blood of of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Hebrews 9 verse 22 that without the shedding of blood there can be no forgiveness of sins. Unless the blood of Jesus Christ was shed on the cross, nobody could get to God. That's a serious problem. But the Bible says that through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, we can have this relationship with God. Verse 25 whom God put forward, he's talking about Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation. Whoa! Do you want to try that word? As a? By his blood. Now what is a propitiation? It's a word we don't use very much, right? The word propitiation means to satisfy the wrath of a deity. To satisfy the wrath of a deity. So when the Bible says Jesus was a propitiation for our sins by his blood, when Jesus died on the cross, sin is serious, but you know what else? Sin deserves the wrath of God. And when Jesus died on the cross, he satisfied the wrath of God. Amen. By his blood, it was an acceptable offering to God to set us free. And then it says this, whom God put, through, put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. To be received by faith. You know how you get saved? You get saved by putting your trust in God. This simple story of the gospel this simple story of what Jesus did on the cross, we just put our trust in this story. We put our trust in the fact of his death, the fact of his resurrection, 
the fact that he rules and reigns today, we put our trust in it. And as we put our trust in it, something supernatural happens on the inside of us. We are transformed and changed. This was shown by God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he has passed over our former sins. We get right standing with God and God forgives all our former sins. Everyone that we ever did, God forgives. Why is that such a big deal? Because sin separated us from God. Now we can be in relationship with Him. Amen. So this morning I want to remind us that we are forgiven. Amen. Amen. We are forgiven. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, verse 46 and 47. The Bible tells us what our mission as believers is. And this is Jesus talking. And Jesus said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer, and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. This message of forgiveness, this message that you are free from the power of sin, from the power of the devil, is the message we are called to go and proclaim to every person, every man, woman, and child. This is the message of the gospel. Repent and be forgiven. What is repentance? Repentance means we're walking in one direction and we turn around and we're now walking in a different direction. It comes from the word metanoia, which means a change of mind. A change of the way we're thinking that results in a change of direction and a change of purpose. That is metanoia. That is repentance. So the Bible says that's it. That is the nutshell. And today we celebrate the fact that on the third day, Jesus did rise from the dead. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins is now being proclaimed among the nations. Forgiveness of sins. I want to remind you, Hebrews 9.22, our memory verse for this week. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Unless Jesus died on the cross, there would be no forgiveness of sins. John 20, verse 21. I know you guys are getting a lot of scripture this morning. It's good. Amen? That's why this morning I came in here and they, they had the temperature right up. And I knew, woo, people will be sleeping in church. So we need to, like, you know, have the temperature at an acceptable level. Amen. Is it at an acceptable level this morning? Okay, amen. I, I assume those who didn't answer are asleep already. But it's okay. <laughs> John chapter 20, verse 21 to 23. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So this is Jesus defining the commission that he's given to who? To who? Not just to the twelve, but to the church. Amen? So Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. But note what he says next. I want you to note what he says next. He says, 
If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold the sins from any, it is withheld. Wow. 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 If the power of forgiveness is so powerful, Jesus had to die in order for people to experience the forgiveness of God. But what Jesus says is that we, the church, have the power to release that forgiveness into the world or to withhold it. Wow. What a responsibility. And unfortunately, instead of forgiving, we allow ourselves to live in a world of unforgiveness. And a couple of weeks ago, we spoke about unforgiveness. But the reality is that whenever we hear truth, we always quickly develop exceptions to the truth, right? Amen? It's like, it's not that I'm unforgiving, I'm just dealing at the moment. Amen? It's not that I'm unforgiving, but it just takes me time to think through and work through the issues. Instead of forgiving, many of us hold on to micro-grudges, right? Yeah. It's not like I've got a big grudge with Dumisa. I just have a micro-grudge. You know? So, so whenever I see him, I shake his hand, just a little squeeze. Not a big one, just a... <laughs> when his number rings on my phone, I let it ring just a few more times, right? <laughs> just so that he knows. And the reality is that unless we are intentional, we don't fulfill the mandate of Jesus Christ. Because to rephrase what John said, forgiven people are supposed to be agents of forgiveness. Forgiven people are supposed to be agents of forgiveness. But most of us don't know how to forgive. So... As I said, some of us take our time to forgive. Some of us love to rehearse the situations over and over and over again in your mind. How many of you are like that? Okay, just Jude and, and that guy at the back. The rest of you are liars, amen. We like to play the scenarios over and over and over again. And whenever we hear God says we need to forgive, we've got all sorts of insulation from the Word of God. Oh, someone put it so well. They say that our refusal to forgive is the ultimate statement of pride. I'm not saying you're proud, by the way. The quote is. <laughs> Let's have a look at some scripture. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13 in the Amplified Version. This is what the Bible encourages us to be like. The Bible encourages us to be gentle. Woo, Lord, help me. And forbearing with one another. 
If one has a difference, a grievance, or a complaint against another, readily, everyone say readily, pardoning each other, even as the Lord has freely forgiven you, so must you also forgive. Wow, there's a lot in this. First, I want to pick up the word readily. The word readily. The Bible says when someone crosses you, you must be ready to forgive. Do you live ready to forgive or do you live ready to revenge? An eye for an eye. A tooth for a tooth. What's it? Bat, butter for fat. Uh, tit for tat. Butter for fat. Is that how it goes? Mm. Huh? <laughs> and, and we live in this world of unforgiveness. But here the Bible says we must be ready to pardon each other. Now, if I'm ready to pardon each other, it means that in my mind and my thinking, I'm already pre-deciding some things about relationships. I'm pre-deciding if something goes wrong, it's okay, it's not the end of the world. Amen? Because the reality is, there are no perfect people. And because there are no perfect people, we will rub each other up the wrong side. Amen? It's just like the saints who keep turning up the aircon at the back. Anyway, anyway, let me, let me just... Jesus, you know, I tried on Friday forgiving. Now I need to forgive again. This message is for me. <laughs> but the Bible says be ready, be quick to forgive. You know, the, the, the principle of keeping short accounts is very biblical. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 4 that don't let the sun go down on your anger. Keep a short account. Deal with it. Amen. One of the ways that we live in unforgiveness is we refuse to verbalize forgiveness to other people. Amen? We let them roast. Just like, no, no, between me and God, I've forgiven them. But when we see them, we let them roast just a little bit, right? And there are different roasting strategies, right? One roasting strategy is, is you just withdraw a little bit, right? You come into the boardroom at work, and what do you do? You work the room, right? You greet everybody starting at the furthest person from them, working your way around so that they think and wonder whether you're going to greet them or not, right? Hey! Is that an awesome strategy? Hey! <laughs> Another way to withhold forgiveness is where you just withdraw from them. Right? Stonewall. You don't speak to them. You go around them. Right? So it's like I'm trying to speak to, to, to Jude, but I've got issues with Jude. 
So instead of speaking to Jude, I speak to Busi. So Busi, at our staff meeting, <laughs> and staff meeting's got nothing to do with Busi yet. Um, <laughs> it's got nothing to do with Busi. And, uh, and because of issues. Weird. Unforgiveness. But here the Bible says, but there's a standard of forgiveness. Even as the Lord has freely forgiven you, so must you also forgive others. So the question is, what is God's standard of forgiveness? I want to give you just four quick thoughts. Number one, when God forgives us, the Bible says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God in Christ pre-forgives. Pre-forgiveness is a biblical concept. Pre-forgive. Guys, it's a really bad situation if you're a believer and someone has to keep begging you to forgive them. Please forgive me. I'm so sorry. Please forgive And you're like, yeah, hey. Uh, we're still on the previous slide. Oh, thank you. Pre-forgiveness. While we're still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. The second one. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, he said this, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. How many times do you say to someone, you know, I'll forgive you, but first you must tell me what you did. You must explain to me that you understand the pain and the injury that you have caused me. And only when you've articulated it accurately, then I will forgive thee. But here Jesus forgives us, the Bible says, when we didn't even realize what we were doing wrong. We hadn't even rationalized. We hadn't even like, understood the injury we had caused the person. The Bible says, wow, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's how Jesus forgives. Number three, Peter came to Jesus and said, how many times should I forgive? Seven times? No, 70 times seven. Jesus forgives repeatedly. This is good marriage counseling right here. Jesus forgives repeatedly. You know, one of the things that uh, I realized early on in marriage is that I was married to a repeat offender. <laughs> and the reality is that I was also a repeat offender. Loud amen from the front here. <laughs> and you expect this other person to be perfect and that you'll tell them once to put down the toilet seat and it shall be done. And then you, you're like, no, no, surely. Surely by now you know to put the toilet seat down. Surely by now. And over and over and over again, it's still there. Even worse are those who squeeze the toothpaste in the middle. Amen. I'm not talking about you, baby. Other, other, uh, other people. 
But the Bible says that Jesus forgives us over and over and over again. Not just for the small things, but the big things. Jesus forgives repeat offenders. Here's another one. How long does it take Jesus to forgive us? Jesus forgives us. Are you ready for this? Immediately. He doesn't stew over it. He doesn't like, you know, when we come to him, he doesn't like sit there in heaven going, hmm, I don't know. Ah. Temp, ah. He, do, he doesn't perform, amen. The Bible says in 1 John 1 verse 9 that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. He does it, amen. There's no time delay. They're not like, I will think about it. I'll let you roast for a bit. Amen. Making people roast is not biblical. I like what C.S. Lewis says. He says, everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. Amen. The theory of forgiveness is wonderful. It's a great concept. You can go to any TV station, any guru, and you know what? They will tell you about forgiveness. But the reality is that there's a real difference between the world's way of forgiveness and God's way of forgiveness. And I want us to have a look at this now. What's the difference between the world's way and God's way? Well, we've been talking about... We've been talking about... Moralistic, therapeutic, deism, right? And moralistic is basically that you're a good person. So the world will tell you, forgive because you're good. You know, when they take the low road, you take the high road. First Michelle Obama 1 verse 1, right? And, and there's a lot of good in that. Therapeutic, they'll say the reason to forgive is that it'll make you feel better. It'll free you. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison, expecting other people to die. You'll be like, yeah, 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 yeah. Deism. You don't need God to forgive. Just forgive. That's what the world will tell you. They'll tell you forgiveness is powerful. Just forgive. You don't need God's help. Just forgive. But what the Bible says is totally contrary to that. The Bible doesn't talk about a moralistic version or motivation for forgiving. It says the motive for forgiving is the gospel. Not because you're a good person, but because you're a bad person that God had to transform from the inside out. God didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. That is the gospel. And because you're a recipient of forgiveness, you forgive. It's a radically different motivation to forgive. It's not about whether you are a good person or not. Oh, I'm so good. I choose to forgive. No. 
I'm a recipient of forgiveness. That's the gospel. I'm a recipient of grace. How can I not forgive? Therapeutic. Oh no, it's going to make you feel great. You'll be liberated. But the gospel and God's way isn't interested in whether it makes you feel good or not. I'm sorry to say. There's no scripture that says forgiving will make you feel good. There's no scripture that says that. But it does say forgiveness will glorify God. When we obey his word, it glorifies God, right? So our motivation for forgiving is not how nice it's going to make me feel. No, my motivation for forgiving is I want to glorify God. I want God to be glorified in my life. Moralistic, therapeutic deism. And in deism we realize that, no, 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 no. I can't do this without God. God's way is with God. Amen? With God's help, I can forgive. I can't do this in my own efforts. I can't. If it was up to me, I mean, hello. I know you guys are all saying, your pastor needs counseling. I do! <laughs> I need Jesus. But for grace, amen. So how do you know if you're forgiven? So the Bible uh, talks about the fact that we need to forgive. So, so we bring this situation before the Lord. And whenever you, you, you've got a situation you need to forgive, it's, it's burning on the set. Bring it before the Lord. Take your time. Invite the presence of the Holy Spirit and say, Father God, I forgive this. Be specific. Don't be vague. Yeah. And say, Father God, with your help right now, I forgive this person. I release them. Amen? So how do you know whether you're forgiven or not? Can I give you four signs of forgiveness quickly? Here are four signs that you've forgiven. Number one, this comes from Lewis Mead. Smeet. Number one, you no longer seek revenge. Whew. I know some marriages are getting healed this morning, right? You no longer seek revenge. Number two. Now that comes from <laughs> Matthew 5. Maybe we should turn to these verses. How are we doing for time? Am I good for time? Okay, so those who are like, you know, the roast is burning, blame Jude and whoever, Lena. <laughs> Matthew 5, let's go there quickly. I want you to see this in your Bibles. Matthew 5, verse 38, 39. You have heard it say, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. So here Jesus is articulating a whole different way of living. How do you know you're forgiven? You're not seeking revenge. You're not trying to say, whatever they did to me, I'm going to do back to them. Number two, you feel differently about the people. 
You feel differently about the people. Verse 43 and 44. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Wow. So you know you have forgiven if you start to love your enemies. How awesome is that? <laughs> hey? Is it feeling impossible yet? Is it feeling impossible yet? Because without God's help, we can't, right? Without God's help, we can't. I remember in 2008, two months before my wedding, Amy was hijacked at gunpoint. Her car was stolen. And I was at um, Rosebank at that time for an evening meeting. And I got the call, jumped in my car. Hey, when I was single, I had a nice car. <laughs> so I jumped in my Beamer. I'm just saying. <laughs> and you'll know why. Because in less than 15 minutes, I was in Whitfield, Boxburg. Yeah. I mean, my fiance had just been hijacked. I mean, you have hazard lights and cars for a reason, amen? So I was there 15 minutes later, I was there. And I was furious, I was angry, I was upset. You know, I did the manly thing. I went outside and looked like, you know, these guys. I don't know what I was going to do. <laughs> guys with a gun, naughty. I don't know what I was thinking. And I was so furious, so upset, so mad. And Amy said, no. I forgive them. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Forgive them. And a few days later, Amy says, you know, I'm just weeping and crying. I said, I know the trauma of my life. She goes, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm weeping and crying for those guys who hijacked me. I'm just thinking about their souls. Do they know God? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> what is this? It was amazing to see the grace of God in operation. How, number one, how quickly Amy forgive, forgave. How completely she forgave. And how she started to have compassion for those who robbed her. And it was a day or two later that someone that we knew, their brother was a hijacker and got shot. Like... His fellow hijacker, gun went off by mistake. Like, you know, own goal kind of, like, you know. <laughs> and the guy went into hospital, ICU, etc. So, and it was a church member, church member's brother. So we're like, you know, we went there and 
praying for them, etc. And Amy was like, I can identify. I can, and she went and she prayed for healing for this guy, this hijacker. And I was like, my mind was going to spin. I was like, I'd never do that. Hijack, I said, good. They deserved it. But that's not God's way. And you see, if we allow forgiveness to have its way, it actually changes us. Third sign of forgiveness in verse 44. Hope and pray for their good and blessing. The Bible says, don't just love them, but pray for those who persecute you. Pray for them. Now, some of us attempted to take prayers out of Psalms, right? Hey? God break their jaw. Hey? What about those prayers, hey? Lord, many are my enemies around me. Hey, those, aren't those great prayers? Something <laughs> is that your go-to? Something. <laughs> But the reality is this. The reality is that that is not the heart of God. The sons of thunder said to Jesus, Jesus, this village has rejected you. Should we call fire down? Jesus didn't say, oh no, you guys can't do that. No, Jesus said, don't. That means they could have. And he says, don't. You do not know what spirit you are of. And here, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is talking about a whole new, different way of living. The kind of living that changes the world, environment around us. Often we want to do something great and colossal for God, and yes, have vision and desire to do that, but it's these small and important things like forgiveness that really make us a force in the earth. And finally, reconciliation. Woo! Reconciliation. And the right reference is Romans 12, 17 to 19. Romans 12, 17 to 19. Or in Matthew 5, verse 47 and 48. And I love this. And it says, And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than the others? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? So here Jesus is saying, When you see that person who double-crossed you, who betrayed you, who ran off with your husband, who, your potential husband. <laughs> How should you behave? The Bible says, greet them. Hey, hey. Woo! But it's easy to say these things, right? What about deep pain? I mean, what about deep, deep pain? I'm talking about someone has done something so horrific to you. What about deep pain? On CNN, there was a story out of the recent war in, in um, Ukraine. And just outside of Kiev, in the northwest, is the town of Bucha, where the Russians were assaulting, bombing, Raping, pillaging, women, children, torturing, limbs cut off, homes devastated. 
and the mayor of Kiev was of um, Butcher was asked. He said, "How do you ever recover from something like this?" And this is what he said: "We won't forgive Russia on this earth or in heaven." And then he proceeded in the interview to say, "But I know for a very long time to come, we're going to have the need of psychological." and emotional healing. But the problem is healing doesn't come without forgiveness. Healing doesn't come without forgiveness. I mean, war is brutal. I don't know if there's anyone here who is a war victim. In some of our other congregations, we've had... uh, our brothers from across the continent who've been involved in various conflicts and have fled to South Africa. They are genuine refugees. Amen. And to hear their stories of horror, of what they've fled from, is it possible to ever forgive deep wounds? I want to show you a video. I remember June in a 8, moment. 1970. I love the enthusiasm of the team at the back. Amen. I'd like to show you a, a short clip of a lady who was bombed during the Vietnam War. At the time, she was about nine years old. And napalm bombs were released over the village. She was hiding in a Buddhist temple. The temple had a direct hit. And she received burns to half her body. And there's a famous picture. And she's the girl in the picture. And this is her story of the power of forgiveness from deep wounds. Thank you. I remember, I remember June, June 8, 8 1972. 1972. I saw the airplane and it's so loud, so close to me. Suddenly, the fire everywhere around me. The fire burned off my clothes and I saw my arm got burned with the fire. I thought, oh my goodness, I get burned. People will see me different way. Nine years old, I became a victim of war. I didn't like that picture at all. I felt like why he took my picture when I was agony, naked, so ugly. I wish that picture wasn't taken. I went through 17 operations. I have to deal with the pain every single day. I used to compare my scars with buffalo skin. And because my skin doesn't have any pores, I cannot sweat. Make me feel so tired, so headache. It built me up with hatred, bitterness, 
and anger. I just living with the question, why me? Why that happened to me? In 1982, I wanted to take my life because I thought after I die, no more suffer, no more pain. Eventually, I found the New Testament in the library in Saigon. In Christmas 1982, I became a Christian. That faith it helped me a lot. Since I have faith, my enemies list became my prayer list. I realized myself, wow, Kim, you pray for your enemies. It means you love. Forgiveness set my heart free. I forgive everyone who caused my suffering, even the pilot, commander, people controlling me. When I became mother, I have full time to take care of my baby. I just slowly, slowly tell him why mommy has a scarf. I have to show him my picture. He touched my arm and he say, mom, her, and he kissed here. He kissed me right here. My work with the children who has trauma, like me, I know how they have pain. And not only the pain with physical, but nightmare and traumatized. Most of them, they just ask me, why you are naked? Why are you crying? And I say, yes, because the bomb dropped and I got burned. I also show them my scar on my back. And they say, oh, it's so painful. I don't want that you suffer that much. And they love me and they kiss my scar. All my journey, I help children building school, building hospital, orphanage home. It's about relationship. Now I'm working, not because of my duty, not because of my mission, but because of my love. What do you see when you look at that photo of the girl in the picture? Now I can see the picture. I'm so thankful. My name is Kim Phuc Phan Thi. This is my brief but spectacular take on pain and forgiveness. What a powerful story. I don't know what you're holding on to. It's time for, to forgive. Or maybe you're not holding on to anything, but you know people who are. It's time for us to proclaim the possibility of freedom, the fact that forgiveness is here and Jesus wants to sit the captives free. If you're a captive this morning, Jesus wants to set you free. I don't know who did what to you, but Jesus wants to set you free. It's interesting that there's a link between forgiveness and healing. Some people who've been in accidents and blame themselves or blame the person who caused the accident. The moment that they forgive that person or themselves for the accident, 
their physical healing happens. It's time to forgive. Let's pray. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We invite your presence here. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Can we pray together this morning? And can we thank God for the power of the cross? Can we thank God for forgiving us? For setting us free from our sins? I want to invite you this morning to do exactly that. Just say, Father God, thank you for forgiving me of my sins. And Father God, we choose by faith to receive your forgiveness. And if you're here this morning and you're saying, Timber, you know what, there are areas I've not forgiven myself for. Or maybe you've been withholding forgiveness from people. Can we just say sorry to our Heavenly Father for our unforgiveness? where you are, just say sorry Father for my unforgiveness for holding grudges for not letting go for my pride and Father God I thank you that today you take us on journeys of healing and forgiveness that you make us agents of forgiveness in situations, in families, in companies, in homes, with people we know and people we don't know. Father, let us be those agents of forgiveness. That people would be set free. Not because they're good, but because of the gospel. Invite the prayer team up, please. Prayer team, could I invite you up, please? Thank you. I believe there's some people here this morning, and forgiveness is tough. Maybe even it feels like it's impossible. Can I have some of the gents up here as well, please? Thanks.
But today, God wants to set you free. That's the message we proclaim. That's why Jesus rose to set people free. The first dramatic miracle I saw was from a lady who had unforgiveness that she'd been holding in her heart for decades. As soon as she forgave, the breakthrough came, the healing came. If you've got sickness in your body and you've been holding on to unforgiveness, it's time to forgive. It's time to forgive and to be healed. Amen. And if you're here this morning and you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, you want a fresh start with the Lord, it'll be my honor to pray with you so you can receive by faith the forgiveness of your sins, that you can turn your life around, be in relationship with God and have a new life with Him. If you want that, it be my privilege to pray with you. Maybe you are far from the Father's house. Maybe you are what we call a prodigal. It's time to come back to the house of the Father today. It's your opportunity. Don't let it go past. Amen. If you need prayer for any of those categories or anything else happening in your life, we're going to spend time this morning praying and standing in the power of the cross. Standing in the power of the cross. So Father God, we thank you for the power of the cross that brings healing and deliverance, that sets us free. And we stand in its power this morning. And the people of God said, Amen, Amen. amen. Guys, God bless you. If you need prayer, please come forward. Our prayer team would love to pray with you. Thank you.